Welcome to a live and kick in the 90s football podcast. The podcast is more 90s, and for the first time ever, I'm going to do a football reference in the intro than John Motchen's commentary. We'll get to that in a bit. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast, joined as always by the landlord of the football tavern, Mr. Ed Chambers, a fragile Mr. Ed Chambers this week. How are you doing, Ed? I am. Uh, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. Yeah, you're uh, referring to the fact that we had a bit of a bit of a shindig. I like I that shindig at the we weekend. had a bit. We had we had a bit of a, a bit of a party last weekend to celebrate me turning um, forty years of age. And to be quite frank, I felt about eighty for the last four days. Um, I have I had a kids. I've had a very very delayed hangover. I felt fine the next day, fine most of the next day after that, and then suddenly bosh um so it was probably my own fault um but uh yeah it was good it was good yeah and uh yeah it's good to see people you know i mean with covid and stuff it's um you haven't really seen a lot of yeah, people so... gets emotional don't they and says oh, yeah <laughs> they do don't they you've got to yeah, do it before, and then you say yeah and then in six months time when it's someone else's birthday we'll go yeah. Yeah, and um, I thank you to you. You turned up with a present. I have to say, we have to say this: that uh, most, a lot of people turned up with um, either a bottle or something or chocolate, right? Yeah. See, I, I had that conversation with my wife, and I was like, yeah. "You're gonna get a lot of bottle of somethings." And yeah. No, chocolate's and, not a thing I would buy. Yeah. And and then um, so, so you turned up with a book, yeah. and of course somebody asked me straight away, "Was it your book? Your alive and kicking <laughs> book? Were you? Was it a signed copy?" Um, but uh, lives, yeah, it? no, it was uh, so uh, it's uh, one of John's, isn't it? This uh, John Smith, friend of the show, yeah, brilliant. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It for those, for those who haven't read it, it's the you know, John was on recently, it's the guy with the who reads a million autobiographies and pulls them all together. And without wanting to ruin it, there's there's a bit in there about Neil Ruddock right early doors where um, Neil Ruddock explains something that happened in pre season for West Ham. You know when the Harry Redknapp brings a supporter on the pitch. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and play. One Ruddock wasn't even there. Two or three, the players that Ruddock mentioned never even played together. Right. Ruddock wasn't at West Ham for about four or five years before this happened. Um, so I'm like, how could you artistic how... license? They call. I was it. like, that's just that's just making stories up, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. like that Lee. It's like that Lee Sharp one, isn't it? You know, with the Cantona Kung Fu kick. And he um he tells this yes, there's a video of it and he tells yeah. this story about how Brian Robson was saying, Come on, lads, you know, this is gonna be funny. What was Ferg-? and Brian Robson was a manager of Middlesbrough yeah. at the time. So, you know what what you know, I don't really understand. But anyway, all I digress. For, all for a good read. Absolutely. I alluded to there in the intro and before someone yeah. comes out to it, so I'm fully aware that John Watson was commenting long before the nineties. I know, I was just making a point of it. Um but <laughs> very sad news this week. Like proper sad because I think I didn't even know. I still don't know. Was he ill? Like I, I don't even know the reason for his sad passing, John Motson. But a big shock. I mean, we're just one of many who will pay tribute to him this week on a, a, any other outlet. But it's one of those you just wh- now he's gone, and you think what influence he had not just on our era, but like almost two previous before that, two previous eras after that. Your dad, my granddad. You know, he spanned so much, and whether if he was your favourite or he wasn't. So many big moments of our lives have been like soundtracked by John Motson. It's kind of it is a really sad one, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird feeling to feel sad about the death of somebody that you've never physically yeah. met. Yeah. Um, like I've I've never met John Motson. Um, obviously, you know, and um, it, it feel it feels really bizarre. I mean, funny enough, I was I was sitting here at my 
desk in the office here at home uh, yesterday and I'll get an alert on my phone and I think, oh, what's, you know, what's this? It's your BBC News or whatever. And it comes up, John Motts. I can see the first words, John Motts. And I'm thinking, no, please no. Yeah. And um, it was like, yeah, don't. I was like, bloody hell. And and you made a good point there. I mean, John Motson was around, had been commentating for 20 years yeah. or more by the time that we've reached our kind of era of liking football. Spot, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, that generations above us have grown up listening to John. And then, obviously, we we have. And then, if you were even to say to a non-football-loving person, uh, I'm going to pick your wife as an yeah. example. I know your wife just has yeah. no... She came yeah. in uh, after pick, yeah. I take girls to school and went, John Motson's diet. And I was like, yeah. he knows who John Motson is. And he's a yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. And I think that's the point I was going to make in the fact that you, when you think of, if you don't like football, you probably think of match of the day theme tune, and then you probably instantly would think commentator with a sheepskin coat. Basically, yeah. that's the, you know, that's the way it is. And um, you know, John, he was a fantastic commentator. I mean, um, we could, you know, I mean, the the amount of moments, the, the David Platt goal, and the, you know, everything. I mean, I always, I always love. I mean, going off in decades here, but I love um, the five one in Munich. Yeah, um, and I think at one point he says something like, "Is it really five one?" Or you know, he he, yeah. he was just such a fan that night, and you know, there were so many different commentaries over over the years that um, you know we all we all love and adore. So, so yeah, it is, it is a it is a sad one, but um, you know, it's probably best to to remember the man, remember the commentary. Yeah, I, I thought of two things. I thought of his professionalism and. The way to explain it during the night, I think a lot of people said during the 98 World Cup final when the Ronaldo thing was happening, because at the time, like, that's not a commentator's job. He's it to commentate the action, but he was yeah. actually explaining almost like a presenter what was going on in the press box at that time and how cool and calm. And I mean, he was vastly experienced at that point anyway. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I thought of, and so I think someone put it, well, to call cool, someone put it on social media, was there was a clip on fantasy football when they did Euro fantasy football where he commentated on the Germany game and they made a quip of Stefan Kuntz. Right. A joke of how John, John Watson's opinion of these two, but it's just always one of those little things. And that isn't his yeah. best lying. Obviously it's a joke, but it's just those little things that stick in your mind um, about John Watson's. But yeah, the, you know, the David Platt one's famous because it was in the, th- in uh, three lions as well, wasn't it? It made it. Yeah. More- and, um, the older athletic fans that are listening won't thank me for this, but someone put up on Twitter yesterday about the last-minute equaliser by Mark Hughes uh, at oh, Wembley. Yeah. They like that. You told me that. And, yeah, and if you if you actually watch it and listen to his commentary, because sometimes I know it sounds dark, you just watch the action, and sometimes yeah. you zone out. But if you listen to the two, he it's almost like a craft. He he leaves everything a delightful pause, and he says it's hooked back in, and he says Hughes, it's there. He he kind of it's very very you know theatrical i suppose is the yeah. right is right. it was you know and and that you, you can't i don't think you can teach that i think i think that's a natural sort of thing that he that he had as a commentator i mean you know we all we're all critics on twitter these days aren't we we all can sit there and go oh bloody hell. you know i was sitting there watching man united barcelona last night thinking why am i listening to robbie savage you know but but you forget that these people were actually sitting there trying their best to do a job you know they're not deliberately trying to frustrate is yeah I, I couldn't imagine doing it personally yeah. it is a very very hard day that i don't particularly get on with for whatever reason but i still would never take it away from what a hard job it is and it's an era thing motty spans eras and i think him and then barry davis are yeah. you know, in a league of their own almost um yeah. 
Um, I was a mass fan of Tony Gubber, again, someone who's no longer with us. Uh, Absolutely. But again, again yeah. I think that's because when we watched Match of the Day in the 90s, those were kind of the three main voices. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Gerald Sidstad as well. I always loved yeah, his Gerald voice. Sidstad, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, Ian Darcy, yeah. I like. But... <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a, it is a sad one. But, um, yeah, yeah, God bless Marty, and uh, thanks for the memories, I suppose. Um, I'm going to fast forward this little bit because our uh, guest is in the waiting room at the moment. Right, um, we're doing a my nineties today. We haven't done these for a while, um, and I was we're doing Crystal Palace, and I was had a quick look at you know just to familiarise myself with everything that happened in the decade. God, there's a lot that happened to Crystal Palace in the nineteen nineties. So there's going to be a lot to uh, to get through. Um, lots of Lombardos, I'm hoping as well. We'll uh, get to chat about uh, along the way. So um, yeah, let's get into this um, this week's show. We are doing a my nineties special. That's talk. The Eagles. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Welcome back to Alive and Kick-In and joining us today, we're talking Crystal Palace, which, as I said in the intro, just quite a quiet decade for the Eagles, not much really happened. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, and <laughs> help us get into that, uh, a stand-up comedian, somebody you would have seen on the internet from funny clips, you would have seen lots of different things. He's a name and a person that comes up very much. Pleasure to have him on the show as well. Jim Daly. Jim, how are you doing, buddy? Very good after that intro. Thank you. That's well. absolutely lovely. So <laughs> pleasure to be with you guys. Very much in my wheelhouse, 90s football, particularly Palace. So um, yeah, looking forward to this. As I, said, I just think for um, I was just going to say, yeah, sorry for the uh, for the listeners that that Jim is currently sitting there with a Crystal Palace jacket on. He looks <laughs> he looks like he's ready to go out to training. To be honest, like, like we're just interviewing him. I feel like yeah. you should be hosting a fantasy football unless with the jackets they put on, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my much. dreams, in my dreams, I am about to go out and play for Palace, or maybe maybe training. Maybe I've made it to training. This actually yeah. match day, but uh, this will come off at some point. It's only because I'm cold. <laughs> Although it's not that kind of it's not that kind of podcast, guys. <laughs> Uh, just before we get into everything, Jim, we in the intro were just there talking about um, John Motson, who obviously sadly passed away this week. Um, you just told you've ha- you actually had him on your show um, last year. I mean, what are your kind of memory? I mean, it's it's such a hard one to digest because there are so many memories. He's soundtracked out all our lives pretty much. But what are your you know sort of abiding memories of John Motson, and especially when you spoke to him? I, th- I think when you're so I was eight at the start. No, I was. Six, eight at the start. Six. Oh my word, my math is terrible. At the start of in nineteen ninety. So when you're that age in the in the nineties, he he is sort of woven into the fabric of your football watching life. And I think he he's just there. He's a constant. You don't even think about it. Um so seeing the news yesterday was was a bit of a shock. Especially as, as you say, we had him on the so I did a podcast called Blank where we interview celebrities and he came on, I think last year or end of twenty twenty one. And it was just I was like, I was 10 again. I was able to delve into this like Pandora's box of football anecdotes. And he was yeah. telling us about, you know, the, 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 the so-called uh, rivalry of Barry Davis. No, it was, it was just like, it was, it was beautiful in terms of um, actual memories. I guess, I mean, it's before my time because my first game wasn't until 1992, but I guess his commentary of the semi-final at Villa Park between Palace and Liverpool. Yeah. It's prob- I mean, it's a classic game, um, but he, he soundtracked that. What is essentially probably Palace's, greatest ever day ever 
really, arguably. So, yeah, a real loss, but lucky enough to chat to him. Really nice guy. And I think football will be, be worse yeah. off, I think, without him. No, it's a sad loss. And, and one was surprising because I didn't, as I said to Ed earlier, I didn't even realise he was ill or anything like that. So it was kind of, it was a bit of a shock yesterday to see He that. was final, yeah, absolutely final on the pod. And then I think I saw him, I th- well, I had an awkward thing where I think I saw him on a train about two weeks later, but I wasn't sure it was him. And I wasn't sure he'd remembered me. So I bottled yeah. going over to say hello. It could have just been some old guy with white hair. It looked like John Mossel. But it could have been him. But he could yeah. have also said, who are you? So I, I just, I left it. But yeah. I'm, but if he, he looked fine then as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, as we said, um, thoughts go out and everything. But let's talk um, Crystal Palace then, Jim. I mean, as it's, as I've already said, it was a very eventful decade. <laughs> We've got our list of, um, you know, kind of mini subjects that we'll get to in a minute. But in a kind of a summary a very small one because it might be that might take a podcast. It was a very much up and down, almost out of business, star players, playoff winner. There was so much to digest in the nineties for Crystal Palace, wasn't there? Yeah, it was. I mean, as a so eight year old to my, my seven or eight year old at my first game, first of January nineteen ninety two, home to Knox County, home to uh, Neil Warnock managed Knox County. Neil managed. Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, to be fair, he's managed. I mean, he's managed basically everyone, isn't he? Yeah. Including Palace, um, twice. Yeah. Um, but uh, Marco Gabbiadini got the winner in a one nil win, which I actually, first of all, that's mad because he barely scored any goals for Palace. I think he literally scored three goals for Palace. And someone put it on Instagram the other day, so I actually realised I'd not seen the goal in thirty years. Oh wow. And so I got to see it, and I, I, I think it's just a very sort of tidy. I can't remember like a very boring goal, but that was quite nice, sort of taking me back to. I guess my, I've yeah. got no memories of the first game really, but that was quite nice. But yeah, I think the nineties were a real introduction into what life is like as a Crystal Palace fan, because I missed the first two years. Brilliant, so cup final in ninety, third place finish in ninety one. Only denied going into Europe because of the Liverpool's ban from yeah. Europe, which actually got rescinded that summer, allowing Liverpool to go oh. in. So we would have, yeah, exactly. So that's a whole thing. Um, and then, so then I start supporting them. A year later, they're relegated, promoted again a year later, then relegated again. Uh, and then five years later, when the, as you said, inter-administration nearly out of business. So it was a real like, I mean, it's a, it's an overused word, roller coaster yeah, yeah. of a decade for Palace. And it is why, without making this too now specific, it's why I'm really enjoying being a Palace fan now, because we are we are everything that we wanted to be in the 90s and 2000s. And so that's why now, whatever happens to Palace in the coming years this has been a real rich time to be a fan but yeah the 90s was just full of oh full of absolute madness chuck him the fact that we then signed one of italy's best ever players completely randomly uh and then two years later puff daddy is talking about trying to own palace and he's battling with colonel Gaddafi for ownership of the i mean we are are (laughs) a ridiculous football club (laughs) i love that like that there's a certain sort of collection of clubs that have had their, I'm a QPR fan, Jim. So like we've had our moments yeah. in the sun where we've been back crazy as well, mainly under Flavio Briatore. But there are a few clubs, Palace is one of them, Leeds, QPR to a certain extent, that always seem to have craziness going around. And it's probably only now for Palace where you've reached that kind of plateau of everything's pretty, you know, your most successful era that you've, which goes under the radar, I think. It's the most successful Palace yeah. team of all time. Longest stint in the top flight, I think. And it, it's only now, really, it's kind of settled down for you, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Yeah, it is our longest ever, uh, ever st- 10 years in the Premier League. I'd have I'd have bitten off, you know, yeah, your arm and most of your upper torso for, for that in the 90s and 2000s. Best ever player, in my opinion, in Wilfred Zaha. And I, I know he yeah. divides opinion, but if, think about what he's done and his numbers for us. Top 
Premier League goal scorer ever. Best you know, the guy that got us to the Premier League in 2013 as well. Um, but going back to the 90s, like I, I feel like our full name in the 90s was Cash Strapped Crystal Palace. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're right about all those teams. There's always like a little prefix that they that they have that they have on them. I think I think like, QPRs would have been like chaotic QPR or something like that because there was always yeah. drama going on. So you're right. Some clubs <laughs> seem to attract the drama, and and part of me. I think secretly quite like quite likes it uh, <laughs> in the same way that some people's lives attract drama because I think they actually secretly deep down want it. I, I dreamed I dreamed of being like a well not a child fan. I never say that, but like a, a, a fan. <laughs> I would never say that. <laughs> Please don't clip that bit up. Um, but I would ne- I you know I'd love to have been a fan in the nineties of a, of a very stable. And Everton, actually, Everton had quite a good dec- a decade. There were many in the 90s. That's the, that's the beauty of the decade. I don't think there were many True. stable clubs in, in the 1990s. Um, before we talk no. about the first question, Ed, I'm going to do my usual throw you under the bus question of what yeah. are your memories? Oh, of- here we go. Here we go. Of Cash Strap Crystal Palace. Cash Strap Crystal Palace. Well, I, th- I thought that, first of all, I thought that um, Jim was going to, was actually taking the blame for everything that happened to Crystal Palace post-January the 1st, 1992, because you sort of started by saying we're in FA Cup semi-final, we finished that. Can I say, you, did you leave out the ZDS Cup, which is a very, yeah. very, which is yeah. a very, very important thing. Let's not Our forget this. this. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's a massive thing as a ZDS Cup. Also, I believe, I, are we the final club to have won it? Or won no, I think, no, I think... Nottingham Forest may yeah, have been the last yeah. the year after. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that sort of thing. But um yeah, uh Palace Palace in the 90s. So yeah, I think yeah, so it was Jim's fault basically that everything that happened after the first of January uh, nineteen ninety-two. Um could we sing could Palace fans sing Zen if Data System Cups winner winners, you'll never sing that. Because I feel like do, actually you? there's you you know, should, quite a few clubs that never will be. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a definitely a market for it. Um maybe you should start it in the Homesdale at the next uh next home game or something. I don't sit in the homestead. I'm too old for the homestead. Oh, right. I'm okay. Old enough for the homestead. I'm a main stand. <laughs> right, main stand guy who doesn't clap or cheer. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but Palace in the 90s, God, I use this phrase so often, but soap opera. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it, it, your, that's your QPR. QPR is exactly the same. Soap opera. It feels like when we do this podcast, um, and Jim, we do this podcast a lot, and Ash will say, oh, he played for QPR, this player <laughs> or that player. And you'll think that they had three loan games in 97, 98 or something. I don't remember him playing for QPR. Palace, I've got the impression that Palace are actually very similar. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you get, you, you can watch a game of football. I mean, I've got a couple of mates at Crystal Palace. And, you watch a game and they'll say, oh, he used to play for Palace. And you think, did he? Like when, <laughs> like, I, I was sort of like Sasa Kurchic, for example. Like he played Ray for Halton. Crystal Palace. Ray oh. the one that came to mind. Yeah, right, like Ray Houghton did. Did he? Yeah, he yeah. But, he, but they do. You know, I mean, I, I remember these guys playing for Palace, but it's not something that immediately comes to mind. So my abiding memory of Palace, apart from that FA Cup semi-final, is actually when they got relegated in 95 for having the highest amount of points ever. Yeah. And they, that was the year. That's, I think you say cash-strapped Palace. I would say only Palace. That would only happen to Palace, right? So it was the year where four teams yeah, went yeah. down, so they restructured the league. And it had to be Palace that were the fourth team. It had to be. There was no other team in the world. You could have put Palmeiras from Brazil 
into the Premier League that season, it would have still been Crystal Palace. That's the way I remember Palace. I mean, their name is dangerously sounds like ours, so they might have got dragged into that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was, um, and I think it was 49 points or something mad, which is which was, that yeah. these days would get you, you know, top, oh. maybe a top 10 finish. Like yeah. on, on, I do a Palace podcast as well called, called Five Year Plan. And um, on that, we've coined the phrase typical Palace. And that's exactly yeah. the sort of yeah. thing you're talking about. And I know most clubs probably have that typical QPR, typical Leeds, whatever, but like, it it does feel like Palace. This kind of stuff happens a lot. So yeah, we we we've we've not quite trademarked. We're one step down from trademarking typical Palace, but we have put it on a lot of our merchandise. Yeah. Why why do you? Sorry, I'm going to uh, steal a question that Ash might ask. But why why did you pick Crystal Palace as a as it's a fan? I've heard this going. It's it's a pretty standard story in that my dad was a Palace fan, and so that I had no choice really. Once I got started getting into football, dad. Right sat me down and said you can either be a palace fan or you can get the hell out of my house and oh okay fair enough it, I, I did think about it i did think and, about it but and when you like, were like when you're like seven or eight you six, couldn't really yeah. fend for yourself um no you know. i don't know where my job opportunities would have come from uh, much like no. now actually um so <laughs> i chose palace but dad was a uh, dad went to his first palace game in 1957 wow. or 56 wow. I think they've been what think think of the the different eras of palace that he's been through yeah gotcha. um, and his dad was a spurs fan I could I could have technically been a Spurs fan if, if dad had continued the line. And the story that I love to tell is that because my dad grew up in Esher in Surrey, so obviously very much not Spurs territory, probably Chelsea territory, actually. Um, but he took, I like to t- say that he took dad to watch Palace versus Spurs because it was, I guess, in theory, one of the closest league grounds at the time. And dad was mesmerized by the Palace kit, the red and oh, I would have been claret and blue at the time and decided to go that way. And granddad was devastated. The actual story is that he just took him to Palace against some random team because it was the closest game and they were the home team and he liked the, the noise and the kit and chose Palace. So had they lived North London, I might have been I might have been a Spurs fan, um, which would be a very different 90s podcast. Yeah, but uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? you roller coaster you, 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 actually, yeah, as well, though, for Tottenham, like decade as well. I mean, that's a different yeah. kind of roller coaster, but yeah. that is 90s. Um, that's stick then. That's, that's jump deep in. Uh, the first point of call we always do on these My 90s shows, uh, your favourite player, Palace player of the 90s, Jim? Well, this is actually really easy for me. And 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 as you said, like there are loads of random players. The name that popped up is Michele Padovano. I think everyone forgot that he played for us. Yeah, for, it's funny when you said, that. it's funny when you said earlier on, we signed the best player, Italian player. Uh, I was going to jump in with, was that Padovano? Because, <laughs> you know, just... He was, uh, there was, I mean, he obviously, 10 years after leaving us, he ended up in prison for I think drug smuggling or something mad in Italy. He played yeah. about five games for us. He actually was brilliant in his first game, but he ended up getting quote unquote injured. Um yeah. but I think the palace medical staff thought that he got injured so often that he was actually maybe just taking the taking the money. Um but he could I mean he was he played in the Champions League final year before he joined Palace, which is a thing or something like that. Anyway, Lombardo obviously is is the guy. I mean he was literally a bald eagle. What more else do you want to, to play for Palace? And that guy was streets ahead of every single player on the pitch. I mean, I remember I remember one game seeing him like spin three defenders and play the ball into space and Bruce Dyer was still about 20 yards behind because he hadn't clocked on what Lombardo was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look yeah. on Lombardo's face it's like, what have I joined? This is ridiculous. But Lombardo's not, Lombardo wouldn't be my favourite ever player. My favourite ever, well, I'll take you two or three. My first ever hero was Jeff Thomas because he was with Captain Palace in the yeah. cup final and, and was still playing for us, I think, when I started watching but i think left for blackburn shortly after but my first ever shirt was a 92 93 shirt with number eight on the back which was thomas's number i actually got daily i don't know if this is a 90s thing but my brother was into football as well so he got 
think I had a nine or a seven and I had eight. And we, I got Daily J and he's Sebastian. He got Daily S. I think in the 90s, people used to have their, maybe it was an Italian thing, their names. And then like, a, if it was initials, yeah. Yeah, yeah initials, yeah, depending on if that, it was yeah. similar names. So I had Daily J8 because of Jeff Thomas. But there were loads of players that I that I adored, I adored during the 90s. Um, Chris Armstrong was just a fantastic player for us. I love Richard Shaw, mainly because of the hair. Um, obviously, <laughs> love Jeff Thomas. But the I player that I... Richard Shaw's hair now in modern day. If yeah, I, I think they swapped hair. They swapped, swapped hair, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, we had so many fantastic players. The player that I complete... Mark Edworthy was another player that I loved. Again, mainly because of the hair. It's a running theme for me. Proper but curtains, I, yeah. Proper curtains. But the player that I almost literally fell in love with also had curtains as well. And was only with us for about a year, almost exactly a year. Uh, and that was Matt Janssen. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's the archetypal sort of 90s maybe mid 2000s footballer he was and obviously his story is a very 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 sad one in terms of the injury he had and then never really sort of really the peak of his game was about to go to the 2002 world cup and then got this got this injury um he was i mean he's only 20 when he signed for us from carlisle for i think a million pounds he already sort of uh, wrote himself into palace folklore and into my heart by turning down man united to join us he did a trial at man united and ferguson wanted to sign him but then he came to palace stayed at rod node's house for the week during training and decided that actually yeah, he wanted to... i know i know uh r.i.p ron what what a... i mean again you know talk about 90s palace figures i mean he yeah, was an unbelievable yeah. figure um but he joined palace and, and and from his debut he was just the kid was mercurial i mean he was just unbelievable two-footed Silky on his first start, he scored an absolute banger away at Aston Villa, which I would recommend anyone watch. Where he skips past four players and knocks it in the top corner from 20 yards. And I think everyone in the Palace end that day was like, Oh my word, we've signed an absolute baller here. This kid's going to be going to go far. And he would have gone far if it hadn't been for the accident. And then he left us a year. We went down, went into administration, had no money, left us a year later to, to Blackburn for about four million pounds or something. But in that year, I just completely fell in love with him. He, I, I grew my hair into curtains like him. I tried to buy the same Nike boots he had. Like, I thought I was Matt Janssen. There's a Palace, there's a Palace message board called the BBS, which is sort of well known in sort of Palace folklore. And I used to, I don't really post them anymore. I used to post quite a lot, but my username was the next Matt Janssen because I thought <laughs> I was. I thought I was going to be him. He and... was very much like a. He looked like he could be in a boy band as well, didn't he? He was very oh. much that era, that zeitgeist of like yeah. boy bands and smash hits. And... If we had, if we had like a Palace Spice Boys, you know, yeah. if we had the equivalent of a Spice Boys, um, he would have been front and center of that. He was just. And I actually then got to. Uh, I went to the funny you talk about Shatter Church because I went to the training ground. They trained at uh, Street Court in Godston, which was Ron Nodes Golf Course, or now is a Ron Nodes Golf Course or something. But um, went to watch training. And I was just desperate to meet Matt Janssen, like so desperate to meet him. And they were all training. Churchage was injured, but was there, like just like with all the other like kids looking for autographs and was actually really good with everyone. This is the time when he grew, I don't know if you remember this, it's a very niche palace specific thing, but grew his goatee, dyed it blonde and grew it into yeah. a little ponytail. Well, I yes, say, I remember yeah. that, yeah. Oh, it was horrendous, <laughs> yeah. but very churchage. Yeah. He was brilliant and he was there. And then they all come off the training ground and I meet Lombardo first and get his autograph. And my mum was there with me, driven me to the training ground, took photos of me with the players. She got a lovely photo of me and Lombardo. Then as he's signing the autograph, the pen runs out. And so he's, he hands you the pen and go, pen no work. Pen no work. Oh, and no. I'm looking at him going, what? And mum's got a photo of this interaction. And we look like <laughs> an old married couple halfway through an argument. It's the weirdest <laughs> like footballer photo. I, mean, I should tweet it out, actually. But yeah, then I met Janssen. Yeah. And Janssen was brilliant. But I, I was so like, 
awestruck. I got a photo. I don't know where that photo's gone. I got a photo, got an autograph. And then at the end, so I'd have been about 14 at this time. So like awkward anyway. It's an awkward age to be any, but around your hero. Yeah. And I did something where I went like, oh, cheers, mate. And I sort of like did that on his chest. I'm sort of like, not, you know, like lads do, don't you? Yeah. Like, like uh, a punch in the arm, punch in the chest kind of thing. And as I walked away, back to the car, mum went, what was that? You, <laughs> what did you, why did you punch him in the chest? I was like, I don't know. I was just being, she was like, that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And so now whenever I think about Janssen, I think, did he think I was some awkward little, did he think, why is that teenager just like punch me in the chest? I, I think what's amazing about that is that as a teenager, you, everything your parents do embarrasses you, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're really embarrassed. That story was it flipped the other way. Your mum was embarrassed by you. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And my mum also that. is the nicest lady in the entire world and wouldn't say boo to a goose. So for her to say that was really embarrassing <laughs> is top is like top tier embarrassment. I should say yeah. I then interviewed Janssen about five, six years ago when he was at Chorley, um, when he was manager for Palace's website. And um, I didn't tell him that story, obviously, but I did tell him that I was a fan. And he was he's actually the nicest guy in the world and was really sweet. And as we were, it, was in, you know, it took us hours to get there and get back. And as we were driving back, I was getting text messages from him saying, are you back yet? How are you doing? Hope you're back safe. Kind of. It oh. was just like, so it was a moment of like, do meet your heroes kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, 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 I like myself like, a couple of years ago. So Roy Wegley was my hero as a kid. Like yeah. I, I'd never watched him live because I was a bit young, but seeing him on the telly with the, you know, he was that kind of flamboyant, yeah. random foreigner in this work and like QPR team, long locks. I wish I could grow. I could never grow my hair like that. It goes that way instead of down. Um, and he was American, even though he was South from South Africa. And I've got a lot of love for the Americana. And for years, I wanted to interview him and speak to him because he, he went kind of off the radar after leaving um, England. Indeed, tried to cover golfer randomly. Um, and then about five years ago, he, I tracked down his email and he was like, oh, I'm not interested in talking about my career. And I was gutted. I was absolutely gay. And then for yeah. whatever reason, I got back in touch with him a couple of years ago and he agreed. And I, I, was, I did a Zoom call with me, still in the States. And there's a picture of me, like I've screen grabbed, and the smile on my face, I think it's bigger than my wedding day that I'm talking <laughs> to over Zoom. And it's that moment, it's like, oh, you can, sometimes you can meet your heroes yeah. and it's, it is all okay. I was going to say, I was at Ash's wedding and he cried most of the day. <laughs> Roy! Roy! not here. I have to say, through doing FYP, I, we've done loads of ex-player interviews on our podcast and stuff and I haven't actually yet met a Palace player who isn't really nice I've been very lucky yeah, I've yeah. really and I've got got to know people like Darren Ambrose and Clinton Morrison sort of quite well and they're just the best guys and so that and that's complete potluck I mean some of them might be you know could have been complete arseholes but honestly that I've been very lucky we, we've had a good crop of good crop of good lads at Palace quickly on Matt Jansen there do you know what's going through my mind we always talk about doing those sort of what if episodes there's very much yeah. a what if episode yeah in Matt Janssen, isn't it? Yeah, because he he could have been the answer to England's left side problem, could yeah. he not? Yeah, um, yeah, that's one. Quip. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's instead one. of Emil Heskey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's one. I mean, that's one. That's one thing. But I mean, fair play to Matt Janssen for staying in Rod Nose House for a week. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna sign for Crystal Palace and you say right, go and go and live with Ron, uh, if you could, you can survive that, mate. You can survive anything. I wonder. Yeah. He must have seen. He must have seen some Stories things that, that week in that. Oh, yeah. gotcha. He's got. He had a book out. Last year or year before, no, a couple of years ago, Matt Janssen, I think, about right. all this kind of stuff. I, I haven't, <laughs> haven't said that. This is the story's not going to end on another awkwardness. But um, I did text him. Was like, oh Matt, we'd love to review your book for the podcast. Like, if you could send us a copy or something. Never heard back. Oh dear. 
he finally remembered that punch. To his chest. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, pun- you punched me in the chest in 99 and I asked for a free cup in my book. Piss off, Jim. That is not happening. Right. Let's talk goals, Jim. Um, there's a fair few screamers. I was looking oh. at some earlier. Where have you gone? What would be your favourite Palace goal of our favourite decade? I mean, the, the, the 90s is an era where I was, you know, 13, 14, 15. So you're obsessed obsessed yeah. with your club and i just like i've got vivid memories of really random games that don't matter random goals and and it, it was the it was the dawning of the internet so there were there was one guy at palace i think it was james mitchell who who's now one of the patrons of our podcast really nice guy i think it was him who used to clip up goals and put them upload them to a random website and i would spend hours watching these goals and looking back at them there's one mate anson one away at west brom where he does a little shimmy bottom corner not a great goal but i can see it in my head there's a gordon petrich goal which was away at sheffield united once we'd gone down so it would have been yeah 98 99 where he hits it in from 40 yards absolute bang i've seen that seen that loads um there's a couple of anson if we come to game there's a couple of anson's goals in a game that i think i'm going to pick as my favorite as well but the goal really that i think for any palace fan who started watching palace after 1990, because I think probably you'd you'd go Pardew's goal against Liverpool in the semi if you're if that was your era. For me, it has to be David Hopkin against Sheffield United. I, I think I don't think really you can be a Palace fan and not pick that. It was just given given the narrative arc of the fact that we'd lost the final the previous yeah. year to to Leicester was Claridge shinning it in, and it was a shin, even though Claridge has denied it for 25 years because we had Martin O'Neill on the podcast a few weeks ago. And he was manager of Leicester at the time. He admitted it was a shin. So for me, that's, <laughs> that that'll do. <laughs> that'll do. That's gospel. I don't know where there's a you know the shame in it. If I'd shinned one in at Wembley, I'd be yeah. quite happy. <laughs> the reason it's gone in and flown in past Nigel Martin at that angle is because he shinned it. If he yeah. catches it properly as he'd intended to, you know, probably straight down Martin's throat. So I remember walking away from Wembley. So that was night summer of 1996. Obviously, we're about to have the best summer the country's ever had. And yeah. I was, um, cr- I remember crying my eyes out walking down Wembley Way as a. I guess 12 year old at the time like it was just like I, I felt because I'd seen Palace go down and up and down again felt like this is this is our time I mean the great team then as well and so to come back a year later and win it in the fashion again the last minute goal uh, in the fashion that we did it with that goal and I remember and this is I reckon if so what, what did Wembley hold at the time 80,000 82,000 or something uh, so yeah. So how many how many fans of Palace and Sheffield United are there? Maybe thirty thousand each, twenty five thousand each, because there's always a few that go to corporates and stuff. So let's say there's thirty thousand Palace fans at Wembley. I've already met more than thirty Palace fans, a thousand fans that have claimed to have been there. <laughs> and of those thirty thousand, every single person claims to have been behind the goal at <laughs> Wembley, which obviously is like physically impossible, and to have been the first out their seat as that ball from Hopkins was flying in the top corner. Now I know that's incorrect because. I was the first person out of my seat <laughs> when that ball was like, I've got such a vivid memory. I was there with my dad, my brother and his best mate, Leonard, who they uh, used to watch Palace together in the 60s and now are season tickets together in the main stand. And I sit behind them, which is really, really lovely. I swear I was out of my seat early doors. I, I can see the ball flying in the top corner from behind the goal. Um, it's just imagine the, the sun was shining. You know, it was it was it was mid 90s, old style Wembley. Tango Man was there. Do you remember Tango Man? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tango yeah. Man was there. Yeah. Like there was he, just commentate on him. Yeah. He was. Just... <laughs> he. We had Palace in that nineties kit. If we talk about kits, I'm probably going to come on to that one. That that Bayern Munich kit. 
uh, with blue shorts, which I think worked really well, which he never wore again, I don't think. Bruce Dyer had the Adidas logo shaped into the back of his head. Steve Koppel was manager and Koppel was wearing a baseball cap. I mean, it had everything. That game had absolutely every 90s element you'd want, plus a last minute winner from our you know player of the season from the, from the last from that season and the season before from David Hopkin. Obviously, it fell apart because Hopkin left for Leeds literally about three weeks later. Um, but that was a, just a, a, a golden moment that I think. And I think if you say the phrase Hopkin looking to curl one. In fact, if you say the word Hopkin to any Palace fan, they will. They're obliged. They're, it's their duty to then say looking to curl one. <laughs> it's just it was a fantastic goal as well. It really was. Of him celebrating with like hardly is not, no, hardly yeah, no tea. I don't know the story behind David Hopkin and no teeth, but that's what I always remember about him is. He's very much a throwback footballer, David Hopkin, isn't he? You, you, you yeah. don't really think you'd see a David Hopkin in the modern game. Like, no, of... well, I guess he made that crossover because I, I guess in the 70s and 80s, you probably did see a lot of footballers yeah. no teeth. And you were like, fair enough, they're a footballer, no teeth. And they didn't get paid much money, so they probably couldn't afford the dental work. In the 90s, that was like the first era where like being the aesthetics were as yeah. important as the football. And so being a Spice Boy, having good hair, like, you know, using, what was the Jason McAteer advert? Not just uh, head, real, and real cream. head and shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This all yeah, became, so it, they it, would it, never it, have done that in yeah. the, um, in the, in the 70s and 80s. So, but Hopkin, I guess, was a bit of a sort of, like you say, an old yeah. school footballer who did that. But like, that is the one palace goal. I think I can do the, I think I can do the commentary from memory. I think yeah. of that goal. Do you want me to do it? No. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm probably going to get wrong now, but I think it's uh, Simon Roger floats it in. And it's cleared by Tyler again. David Hopkin looking to curl one. Absolutely incredible. I think Who's that's right. Player? Who is it? Is it the Sky guy at the time? It would have been, I guess it would have been the Sky of the playoff final. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, yeah, it must have done. Yeah, so I don't, who would that have been? remember who they would have to yeah I'd have to check that I can't remember who yeah. at the time then they had a kind of a flow of different people didn't they doing the football league stuff um if I remember rightly um yeah Ed great goal great moment I love a play wonderful player. yeah wonderful goal and um well you both well in your your supporting capacity as well as you both know what it's like to score a, a last minute sort of winner in a in a playoff final and you both know what it's like well, to lose in a playoff final and, and, yeah and it's like well a playoff final is without doubt in my mind anyway, the most incredible game in football because it yeah. is your 46 games plus your two yeah. plus your two playoff semi-finals, then the final as your whole season in one match. And as you yeah. say to him, you know, the year before it, it goes off um Claridge's shins. And it's and that's that's it. You know, you're you're down Wembley way and it's you know and it's you know it's it's off to next season, but it's still the same league. And so that you go the despair and the, the joy that that game brings is absolutely incredible i don't yeah. think i don't think there's another game no. necessarily like it in football it is a, literally a winner takes all i mean you know if you lose a champions league final for example whatever you know liverpool lost it last year they get another crack at it this year and obviously yeah. that didn't go too well this week but it, it's you know playoff final is your whole season because how many times do you see a team lose a playoff final and the next season they are absolutely shocking oh, yes yeah. um huddersfield this year Huddersfield, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Didn't they lose last year? And then they're right down the bottom now. So incredible. It's a killer blow. It's hard to recover from. I always remember losing the 2003 playoff final in Cardiff. And you think the next season was like, if we don't bounce back from this, that's us. In, we're a League One team for yeah, yeah whatever. It's the... got the most jeopardy, I think, of any sort yeah. of game yeah. in the world. Uh, unless you support a huge team, then or, uh, probably winning the Champions League. But as you say, like there's more chance of coming back. The, 
all the elements there it's the toughest league to get out of it's the biggest financial prize it literally yeah. can make or break a club for the next 10 years it, yeah. the, the 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 pressure to get there is huge the pressure not to lose it is huge and, and and the repercussions if you do are massive and yeah i think you're right i think for anyone that supports any club basically that isn't a top six team i think all i was talking to uh spencer rowan last week so i was doing a tv thing with him he's a west ham fan and he was saying actually if we go down and they're not in a great season he's like obviously i'll be gutted but part of me wouldn't mind it because we get a crack at the playoff final again. It's almost better than winning the league. It's almost yeah. better than actually winning yeah. the title in the championship. It's just, and I've been so lucky because I've seen Palace in four playoff finals of like 96, 97, 04 against West Ham and then Watford 2013. Yeah. And I've seen us win three of them. Yeah, that is not, not a bad record. That's actually, we've been very lucky. Yeah. Or you think of Forest this season, like, that's a that's a sliding doors moment for twenty yeah. years time. If they had not gone up, they'd have yeah. lost their whole squad, probably their manager who'd have been poached, yeah. and be the wrong end of the championship and could be heading to League One this season. So it's very much. And I think they're going to stay up. My, my yeah, prediction totally. is. Yeah. Stay up. And I thought that in December, in November, we went there for the final game before the World Cup and we lost one nil. We were appalling. We had no shots on target, and that included having a penalty. That's how, that's how bad we were typical palace typical yeah. palace but forest were excellent and i tell you what their fans were superb it's the loudest yeah. away ground that i've been to in some time and i remember thinking they've got a real first season up vibe in the same way that we had in 2013 under pulis if they stay up this season their fans are going to have played a huge part in that and actually that's been proven the case with their home games in recent in recent months so yeah, I think they might do it. You're right. Big slide doors moment for them. But that, that's what the playoff brings. Yeah. I don't think they expected to see Keelan Navas playing for him this time last year. I mean, it's it's one of those. Exactly. It's a QPR Julio Cesar thing in my head. But yeah, we'll see. That's, I don't think it'll go quite as bad as that one did. Um, you mentioned Kit there. We might as well get that ticked off there, Jim. Yeah. Um, and now Ed will roll his eyes because unlike us, he's not quite <laughs> a kick geek as we are. Um that are you going with that by Munich? Is that the kit of the yeah. 90s? Yeah, it has to be. It's my favorite ever kit. Um, and it's just a beautiful, I mean, it is a shame that it is a, a, essentially a template off the shelf kit and that by Munich wore it at the same time. Although I think, I think for the kit geeks amongst us, I think their badge and the Adidas logo were centered, whereas ours were on the, yes, I think yeah, yeah. I might have got that wrong. Um, it's just a gorgeous, it's just a gorgeous kit. We, we had some good ones in the 90s. My, uh, there was a, I mean, TDK adorning it obviously is classic, the Palace sponsor. Um, we had a Nutmeg kit, which I think Nutmeg was an in-house, I think, production company manufacturer of some sort. In 94, 95, when we were up, uh, which was like two, red with two blue panels down the sort of... Yeah, like fade, yeah, and there was one that was faded the following The season. next season, it was the same thing, and then they faded it. Yeah, they, those were nice kits. And we had, around that time, we had a... When we went to Adidas, I think a year later, with a really lovely away kit that was the France away kit with the sort of white with the blue bits over the shoulders. But I think in terms of just a shirt, or in fact, a kit, I think it's that one. And, and the reason I really love this kit and the entire ensemble or fit, as the kids would say now, is that we wore that with white shorts, with red trim, which we've never done since. It's always been blue, I think or red we, we went very red in the 2000s and it really worked it the white just it really it sort of neutralizes the red and blue but it's just for me it's the right it's the right depth of i see ed's like what are they talking about um, yeah. no, no, sure. <laughs> come on i was gonna the right width of stripe it's got a lovely little o the little overlay on it it's got a it's got a collar for me shirts collar, need yeah. collars. it's got yeah. a button I mean that's very nineties, isn't it? It's got the button. It's got the three stripes like down the the sleeve. Um, it's got 
everything for me in a in a show. Obviously, it helps that Matt Janssen played in it, Lombardo played in it, Ed Worthy played in it, all these players that I fell in love with. But I just think it's the perfect it, palace it, kit. As, as a you know fan of a team that also has well their hoops, not stripes. The the width of yeah. the this is so geeky, but the width is always important. The season we went back to the Premier League in 2011, and Nike took over our kit. And that we had an off-the-shelf one, and it looked like a sailor, like fro- like a typical you know, <laughs> stereotype French kit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the stripe, the hoops were so thin. Everyone went. Men- I remember the QPR PR ringing me because I went to the kit launch for, for the magazine I work for, and he said, "I warn you in advance, you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> the fans aren't going to like it. The hoops are too thin." And it was like, "Oh no!" And it was like, <laughs> an, an, an abomination. You uh, can't. The thing is, you. Yeah. you you, you you kind of think, or most, most people think, might think, or firstly, why they're so obsessed with kits. Secondly, how wrong can you get stripes or hoops? But yeah. they do. Yeah. They continue to do it. But I remember a couple of years ago, we've had some horrendous, we've had some really lovely kits in this 10-year stint in the Premier League. We've had some absolutely awful ones. But there was one year where we had, it's probably our worst ever kit, although I like it because Kabai played in that kit and he's one of my favourite Palace players. It's red with a blue... Ajax style, yeah, chunk yeah, like a pan in the middle, yeah. not yeah. palace. I mean, yeah. barely, you know, one stripe, not palace at all. But the reason that they went with it, and I think it was Macron at the time, and Steve Parrish said this when they launched it at the end of the year thing of the previous season. He said, when the players come out for pre-game, when they stand in a line with their arms around each other, it will look like red and blue, a wall of red and blue stripes. Which is great, apart from the fact that they never do that. Teams, <laughs> players just don't do that. They don't stand say, like their yeah. arms around each other. It doesn't unless there's a minute silence. But then you're yeah. asking for a minute. You want a tragedy to happen yeah. so he can look like. Yeah. And he said this immortal line, which has followed him around ever since. There's only so much you can do with stripes. But that has right. followed yeah. Paris. Yeah. He is right, but also you don't need to. No. You can yeah. just yeah. do stripes. Most yeah. of us don't care. We want, we want we want two or three inch stripes, red and blue. White trim, that'll do. Because don't, 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 don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't hate kits at all. I love, I love the nostalgia of kits. I love looking back at kits from the nineties and stuff, thinking I really like that. I don't get into the detail of whether it had a collar or where the badge was. I just, I just can't remember. Any I think of this a stuff. lot of it is context. A lot of it's so like that, that. Collars and buttons remind me of the nineties, and yeah. the nineties takes me back to my childhood. And nostalgia yeah. is obviously always better than current time so that, oh, definitely i think it's just part of that yeah oh, you guys will obviously agree with that um yeah. but i think um i, I do think current kits is um, this is turning into like old man shouts at cloud but like you're in the um, white room it's fine yeah i do think they've become a little bit sort of homogenized a little bit almost too sporty in yeah. a way like especially with the, the player fit ones i would never buy a player fit especially yeah. now my dad never buy a player fit one um there was something in the 90s where you got the right mix of like at 1780s they were essentially just like coats well i mean they're yeah. so heavy weren't they the 90s got the right mix, I think. And also, like, the material was, like, quite cheap. I mean, the, the Adidas Palace ones were bobble all the time. But I, I, I like that. I used yeah. to hate it as a kid. Now I look back and think, I like I did something about the 90s, 90sism of that. I will say quickly, though, you can't talk about Palace without a sash. We have obviously become synonymous yeah. with the sash. Yeah. And and we have done, we have had some really nice sash kits in the past. I've got one here. It's a remake. which my friend Akosh gave me who's hungary's biggest palace fan this is the the this isn't 90 but it's the peter taylor oh, wow. but, like, yeah, but any sash yeah. like that i know this is like bad for don't see enough sashes they don't no. i mean what your point on 90s football uh, ni- uh, modern day kits jim is that i think they're a bit try hard like the, yeah. the thing about 90s kits that have yeah. come 
Colby, like think of the Arsenal banana skin one, for example. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was just made because that's what they had. Now I feel like there are yeah. so many kits that try to get some sort of weird pattern in there and some sort of relevancy. And I mean, the, the garb you get from the press releases on kits make me laugh. It's, it's yeah. a game you always play. Like, what can they come up with next? It's, yeah. The best, the best thing yeah, about what Sebastian sent me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best, the best thing about kits, I think, in the nineties was that they lasted. Two seasons. Oh, no, like not, each I, I like a new kit every year. Do you? I no, thought you would. I'm with Ed on this one. I like because yeah, uh, yeah. you know if you if you look at it, let's take Palace that kit that you mentioned, like the Bayern Munich style kit. You've got a crossover between David Hopkins and Attilio Lombardo. Like they yeah. both wore it, but they yeah. never played so together. Wanted. Yeah, I mean like, that's <laughs> like yeah, it's like for a guy two, with no teeth to a guy with no hair. Yeah, yeah, it's like two two universes have collided and decided <laughs> that they're going to both wear this kit. And that was the beauty of it. That it was every two years because I think you used to look forward to it more. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. Where's now? I'm, I am. I'm awful in modern day. If you said to me, "Who's Man United sponsor or who's Chelsea sponsor?" I don't know. Whereas back then, I could just go, "Yeah, it's Cause and Sharp," because they, yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. were they were unique. They didn't come out that often. You know, it, you know. So it's my favorite game to find a, a sponsor that I didn't know what it was in the nineties, and now I know. Like Elonix Wimbledon is some sort of electric yeah. company, and yeah. they make uh, a was it Cobham Services on the M25? They make the sign that um, yeah. <laughs> And I remember driving past and I went, Elenix. I'd never seen Elenix on anything else <laughs> kit in the late 90s. And my yeah. wife was like, why are you so excited by this? Like, no, I know incredible. what it is. <laughs> That's, but I used to do the same. I used to like go to the, the video store in, in Edenbridge in Kent, where I grew up, and to buy tapes to record music off the uh, off the radio. And I would never get any tape that was Other than TDK. TDK, yeah. I was loyal to <laughs> the sponsor. Good. The classic, the classic FM logo that is still the same as it was, which I love. My my wife loves classic seven. When she like when she listens to it on the TV, it just has the logo that comes up <laughs> on the screen, and they haven't changed their logo for I don't know forever. So it's still the same logo that KPR had in ninety two, ninety three on their shirt when they were top. <laughs> yes, got that in, and, <laughs> and that just sparks memories. Um, when you but, did Jim, sorry, when you when you when you bought the TDK tapes did you do the traditional football thing of putting another of putting a tdk tape in front of another make like you do with football shirts you know like if you saw a palace shirt in a shop <laughs> and you then you saw a Cholton shirt like you'd put the palace shirt above the Cholton shirt just to to make sure that nobody bought a Cholton shirt i mean did you take I, it to that extreme I, I don't remember possibly but i'm, I'm <laughs> sure. I, I do have a memory of going into um curries in brixton when i lived there and changing all the ipads to palace's website right. but i would See have been that. about 27 at that point yeah. not quite <laughs> as cool. but final point on okay, the two i wanted to mention the two palace kids that i always remember is the one in the 1990 fa cup final replay because it was so yeah. random like I, it was made just for that game if i'm right if it was no it was it was their kit for the season i think it was another in-house one i think yeah, um like yellow and blacks oh the replay yeah the sorry replay. yeah the replay was a one-off and that was that was designed by Jeff Thomas. No way. Yeah. Or he had a, he had a hand in designing it. And that, uh, there is a reason they went for that. And obviously, uh, you're absolutely right. Never worn that before. And obviously, never again since. It's banned. Yeah. That banned from, maybe that's why we hit Watford so much. But that, that yeah. colour combination is banned from Palace. Um, but yeah, Jeff Thomas had some sort of involvement in that. Um, yeah. I always remember. Because I remember, because my, my, I've said this before on the podcast, my first, my proper first ever footballing memory is the 90 Cup final. I was very young, but my nan lived in Wallington near Croydon at the time. And we drove there on that Saturday. Don't know why. 
and it was cup final day and there were like banners and flags all over the wow. land i remember asking my dad what what was this all about what what was going on and that's kind of so that was that's my end that was always my first proper memory because i i was i lived in southeast london despite being a qpr fan that's where my dad was originally from yeah that's always my first memory and the other kit i always think of a palace in the 90s is that atelier lombardo yellow away kit which had yeah. the red was it a red, i think a red color no, a blue a blue, blue one, yeah. Yeah. banner across yeah. the front yeah so, that was a nice to me that's weirdly that's the padovano kit i think because of his two games he wore it in he scored away at Leicester in that kit and we lost we drew one all Muzzy Idiot scored the last minute absolute worldy um, but yeah I had that I had that kit the yellow one in a medium which probably would fit me now just about but my, my mum yeah because they were thankfully baggy my mum chucked out loads of my Palace shirts in the sort of late early 2000s which I'm going about I do still have though the Lombardo shirt from that season. I've slightly ruined it because it does have Ed Worthy 2 on the back, which I think is <laughs> the only person that ever got that. But it's a small and it doesn't, it's too tight now. So I, I'm considering selling it to try and trade it in for a medium or a large of that shirt. But it's, it's funny, you know, that my, you know, like you think things in football that it, it always happens this way, but obviously it doesn't, is that my memory of Palace in 97, 98 was that they played away every week. Lombardo. And Padovano played in that yellow kit every week. They never played at Selhurst Park once. Um, <laughs> I just have this memory. They even played in that game where the lights went off. Was it lights went off at West, West Ham. Ham? They were yeah. wearing that kit then. Yeah, and we were two, just... they were two or one, two or two nil to one up, and yeah. it went off, and we lost three, yeah. play three nil. Typical Palace. Typical Palace. Had we had we played every week, I think we'd have easily stayed up because going into something like Christmas. We had something like the second or third best away record in the league that season, but we hadn't won at home. And we had one of the worst home records wow. easily. And in fact, we didn't win at home that season. This is more typical Palace since eight to, until April. Oh. We only won two home games all season. Eight, April against Derby, and then we beat Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday on the last day of the season. Clinton Morrison scored on his debut. But we were brilliant away from home. Went to Everton, beat Everton on the opening day of the season. Beat Leeds with an amazing goal from Lombardo. Couldn't win at home. Very was that the Thomas Brolin season as well? Was that Thomas oh, Brolin? Or was that yes, the... Brolin joined us yeah. halfway through the season. <laughs> became assistant uh, manager randomly. And became assistant manager <laughs> within about 48 hours because Koppel went upstairs for some reason and Lombardo became player manager even though he couldn't talk a word of English. I mean, what? that season is just... Uh, oh, it's bonkers, but what, what logic was it that Thomas Brolin became... Was it like he was the like one of the best footballers there so he just went, oh, you can be the assistant? Was it like, I think like being at spoke, school? I think because he played in Italy and spoke Italian... He could just translate English. He's basically yeah. sort of glorified translator. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, that was a that was just a mad season. Every, but I think at the time we were we were being taken over by Mark Goldberg. It was he then took us into administration twelve months later, and I think he he had actually financed the Lombardi move, and I think he was involved in the switch of manager or something. He was he was getting his fingers in the pies. That's the wrong phrase, but he was getting he was getting his tentacles. Yeah. Stop using analogies, Jim. Don't work. But he was, um, he was <laughs> getting advice. I think Thomas Brolin again and the Matt. <laughs> oh, Do you know what? I so I never did. I see him play. I may have possibly been in one of the home games in the Leeds game. Actually, I think because he, he that's the game where he had a headband on. He like had a head. Oh yeah, injury. yeah. And we lost. Obviously, we lost. Um, by all accounts, I think he played, we played away at Barnsley in his debut. Lost that as well. We lost to Barnsley twice that season. But um, I think he played quite well. And I think people were like, "Oh, my, okay, he's clearly a bit overweight." But I think he still got it about him. But it just never, it never really settled. He had the head injury and then became assistant manager, and it never quite happened for him. But he was obviously on the on the on the down slope of his career by the time he joined us. 
Jim, that's finished with game then. You, you, you mentioned one earlier. Is that the one we are going with? What is your Palace game of the 90s? So I'm going to, I'm going to, just, just for variety, I'm going to flip it. So I'm going to obviously nod to the, the playoff final. Although, although I can't really remember much of the game apart from being the first person out of my seat from yeah. 80,000 people at Wembley. There's, the actual game is, is a very nondescript league game from the season we went down. So from 1999, so final season of the decade when we're down. We had, speaking of kits, had the worst, we'd gone from the best Palace kit in the previous season to the worst kit ever, which is the all red with a little bit of blue under the arm. So it was, it was like the Spain uh, kit yeah, of, yeah. Sort of yeah. Cup 98. Yeah. Horrendous. So literally no, no stripes, horrendous kit. Everyone hates it. I loved that kit because it was Matt Janssen played in it for six months. Um, and we were expected to bounce back. We Terry Venables became manager in the summer, left the Australia gig. Um, I don't want to libel him, but there's, uh, he wasn't allowed to be a director at another UK company. That's right. After that season. So read into that what you will. Um, we signed literally hundreds of players, many of whom never played for us in the first team. Christ, Christian Ledesma and Walter Del Rio were two um, uh, Argentinians yeah. who joined us. And I don't think either of us played, played, played a game. Um, we signed Craig Moore from Rangers. Never paid a penny for him, so he went back later on in the season. But he was absolutely brilliant. We signed Fancy He and Sanji Hai, the first Chinese players to play in England ever. Um, Sasa had joined, obviously. But anyway, there was a game around September time. So we had an awful start to the season, and then things started to click. And we actually went on a good run of home game. Didn't lose a home game, I think, until December. We played Norwich at home. It was a sunny, I want to say, September, early October afternoon. I went on my own. And I was about to get my first ever half season ticket, actually, the second half of that season. Got the train up to Palace from Kent. And we went one nil down. I think Craig Bellamy scored. Uh, and then it all just clicked. And Palace with Lombardo and Janssen. Matt Svensson, oh, former yeah. Charlton player, played oh, for yeah. us as well. Hayden Mullins had been promoted from the youth team into centre midfield. And he was only 19, but was absolutely brilliant. Nicky Rizzo, we'd signed that summer from Liverpool, I think, uh, Australian winger. They all... <laughs> great, <laughs> they... No, great 90s name there. They all just clicked and we 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 scored. Rizzo equalised with a, a sort of 25-yarder. Then we scored, I think, one of the best one of the best goals I've ever seen. which was like a one-touch move that started in our own half and ended up with Lombardo and Janssen switching one-touch passes on the edge of the box to completely flummox the defender and Janssen popped it home. Brilliant goal. Then the second half, we scored three more. We won 5-1. Lombardo got in on the at. I just remember being... It was a sunny day, being in my element, watching Palace turn over this, you know, half decent Norwich team at the time. It was just an absolute joy to watch. And I've watched that video back, <laughs> must be thousands of times. And I'd recommend anyone watch that second Palace goal because it's just, in terms of one-touch moves, absolutely gorgeous. So, And I remember being on my own in the White House Lane end, or the family stand, and there was a guy next to me who, like, from my memory, was about 50, probably only about my age now, mid, mid to late 30s. And I remember sort of turning around because with, with no one and we we're like celebrating with each other. And it was a very sort of like wholesome moment. He's probably like, why is this teenager keep looking at me? He's, he's going to punch me in the chest in a minute. But it was just a lovely, lovely moment. And, and it was just, yeah, had every element for me of a, of a Palace game. And obviously we were expected to bounce back that season. We didn't. We obviously actually nearly got relegated by the end of the season because everyone left. But it was just a lovely moment where everything came together. The sun was shining. Great goals. Felt like Palace were sort of going to get back in the big time. It was and Janssen got two of them. Well, had everything. Or when it's sunny, like it's just it yeah. makes it. It's like when we talk about United Six and obviously the greatest summer there ever was. It's just football in the sunny. That's just there's something different about it, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, every, every day, every day is uh, every day is uh, perfect in football when the sun's shining. It yeah. doesn't matter, does it? And it sounds like it sounds like with that that example there, Jim. That it sounds like it, you felt like an adult. You went to yeah. football by yourself on the train, one of the lads. All right, you didn't go with anybody, but you know it was. You know you were chatting to the bloke next to you. It just felt you know you were becoming, yeah. you were becoming a grown up, and you were getting your half yeah. season ticket. Yeah. I mean half season. I mean I love the concept of the half season ticket anyway. It's like yeah, well you know I like I like them for this half of the season, but I'm probably not bothered about well, the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, what are our fixtures uh, like? Are the fixtures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. Does You're that absolutely mean, like, right. Does that mean I can go to the playoff final if I get a half season ticket? <laughs> you're right. I think I was 14. So, yeah. You know, a really it's a transitional age, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you're right. I think I felt like I was becoming, and I was falling in love with Palace. I was completely yeah. head over heels with everything about it. The stadium, you know, Sellers Park hasn't changed that much since the, since the mid 90s. I was just falling in love with everything, and it was just a, a wonderful day out. I always think that, like, when nothing else matters, like, girls, it's too early for girls. You're only not, you're not going out for, yeah. you know, with your mates and doing that just yet. And it's kind yeah. of it's like we always say, like, I could tell, I could name the '90 Cup Finals, play, almost player for player, yeah. game by game. I get yeah. to the 2000s, and like my brain just goes, "What? What happened?" <laughs> like, unless it's QPR related, pretty much, and go, "I think Man United won that year, or they did that <laughs> yeah. this year." It's it's very much an era thing, and I think that is like, yeah. you know sweet spot like those early yeah. teenage years that are just and it gives you identity like i think yeah. at, at that age you're looking for something everyone's got their thing you know it's when kids start getting into like emo music and stuff like everyone has their their yeah. subculture identity and and football is one and it gives you something to associate with it gives you a family in in many ways and most of my best friends i've met are through palace it gives you everything it gives you joy despair to, teaches you how to learn about defeat teaches you how to learn about winning it's just it's with Palace more defeat than winning but it's just yeah it's a it's a wonderful thing it gives you players like Eze as well that's uh, bringing it back oh to I love him so much I, I really love him I, Wait, love I him. um just sorry Ash, I was gonna say just on Eze I took him out of my fantasy football team last week and he only went and scored thank I, you I, I, I know I know that was all down to me I mean, <laughs> it's obviously a 90s football but all I say about Eze is I've never seen a footballer carry a ball like Eze does he yeah. It is almost like he plays football on ice. It's yeah. like, he, he glides. First, he, he literally glides. When he yeah, first started keeping up, it was like, he's lazy. He never runs. And I was like, watch him. Like, yeah. players don't quite know how to, to, what to do with him because he glides on a football pitch. Yeah. I'm not even very that far. He just, oh, it's a, yeah. And do you know what else? Apparently, he is the nicest kid. Yes, Apparently, he is, he's one yeah. of the nicest lads. And I just love that. But he's got, he's got, a, he's got a gorgeous smile. Mm. He's got an infectious smile. Everyone, I'd say he's the one player at Palace, probably more so than maybe any player I've ever seen, where everybody at Palace wants him to do well. He doesn't yeah. divide the fan base. Everyone loves him. Everybody wants this kid to succeed at Palace. I really hope he does for us because I think he's just got he's got everything. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Jim, before you go, I just wanted you mentioned earlier that the TV show you've been working on. I, I watched it last week actually after you posted it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I'm with you oh, to watch it. Let's get it going. Um, just where can people go and see it? Just give it a brief summary. So it's called it's called Fando Football. It's a football game show, which I mean, why hasn't there been one before? Such an exactly. obvious idea that there's a real gap in the market for it. Um, it's hosted by Spencer, uh, Spencer Rowan and Chelsea Grimes, and it's on Spencer's YouTube channel currently. I think it was posted last week. So do go and watch it. I was uh, I was doing social media and I was the uh, uh, comedy producer on it. So you might spot me in the background in in the shadows if you're lucky. Um, but it was loads of fun to work on. Brilliant team, uh, a talent band, the production company. Spencer and Chelsea were an absolute dream to work with and it was just I hope it comes across as fun because it was loads of fun to work on and we're keeping our fingers crossed it goes to series later in the year um, because I think it'd be 
a, such a fun job to work on. I think it's a no-brainer for any football fan, really, because we're all geeky. We're all, yeah, we're all, we're all we love football quizzes. Love quiz. yeah. And hopefully we'll do, there'll be a Palace episode as well so I can uh, get on set as well. We'll do Palace QPR, Jim, and I can I can wrangle yes. my way into there as well. Yeah, Eze round. Who knows Eze best? Eze look, at, look at you inviting yourself on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, got it. Oh, you. Oh, fuck it. You don't on. ask, you don't get. Yeah, true, true. Doggy. Ed, um, where can people find you on the Twitterverse? People can find me on the Twitterverse at Tavern Football, which is if for Jim's uh, benefit, I run a pub on Twitter where people come along and talk about football, or I just talk nonsense and that then people. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it started. It started with uh, me um, looking after my kids during the day and really fancying a pint during lockdown, and I had no <laughs> opportunity to go to the pub. And I thought I'm just going to crack open a can of beer and start a Twitter account, and suddenly it's gone a bit batshit crazy but yeah um so yeah that's where you can find me i'm following now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you jim working for people follow you uh all my handles are the same it's at jim daily comedy and that is on everything instagram tiktok facebook youtube uh what else is left friends any of any of my face bebo any of those but yeah jim daily comedy is where you can find me and i do loads of football silly football content and sketches yeah. and songs and stuff very very funny stuff um and follow the show of course at ak90s as well um we'll be back soon with more 90s nonsense as always thank you for joining us and as always keep it 90s Love.